All right, welcome to Yes and Amen Youth with Derek Fletcher and Derek Fletcher and Yanni Fletcher. We want to say welcome on today, and we will share a lesson on today. This is lesson one, and we've been on vacation for a couple of weeks, and on those Sundays were actual travel days. And so we want to say Forgive us. We should have planned maybe to do something on Wednesday in the future if we know that we're going to be traveling. So on today, judgment for Judah, Assyria, and Edom on today. And so topics that we will share about on today is judgment of God and wrath. And so Obadiah, Joel, and Jonah. Uh, and so these are like three minor prophets in the Bible. And so when we say minor, it doesn't mean that their impact was any less or any more, but their character profile and books were short, but the impact uh, just as important. And so we want to give you the students insight behind God's judgment in these books. <laughs> and then uh, we want to share a little bit about the motive, uh, motivate students uh, to live in a way that avoids God's judgment. Okay, so Derek Fletcher, can you hear me? Yes. Please uh, pray. Okay. Father God, we thank you one day for keeping us safe. Thank you for keeping us grown and healthy. Father God, we pray that on today people learn another wonderful word from the Bible and so on and so forth. Let them be blessed in holy matrimony and learn the lessons into guidance and understanding along the way. Father God, thank you for giving us clothes and food to <clears throat> eat and wear. Father God, thank you for souls in our shoes. In Jesus' mind, and we pray. Amen. 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 Let's go back here. Let's try to reshare that function for sharing screens here. Let's see. <laughs> Can you guys see my screen? Yeah. I don't know why I want to track it. Students. All right, here. Let's go. 
All right. Let's go ahead. I don't know. Can you guys still see the screen? Am I in share mode still? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Sorry. Yes. Okay. So everything is a yes. Second Peter. Three and 11 says, since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people are you to be? You ought to be, you ought to live holy and godly lives. Since everything will be destroyed, destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You are to live holy and godly lives. Again, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. All right? So, Second Peter 3 and 11. Repeat after me, Second Peter three and eleven. Second Peter, Second three, Peter and 11. three and eleven. Since everything will be destroyed in this way. Since everything, everything will, be will be destroyed in this, in this way, way. What kind of people are you to be? What kind of people, kind of people are, are you, are you to, be? to be? You are to live holy and godly lives. You ought to live holy and godly godly lives. lives. Okay. All right. This is like the kind of like the group build out. Here, we're going to stop right here and pause it, and you guys can. Take a look and pause for a minute. Getting started. We're going to start. We got. We are going. We're going to start a study of the prophets today. What's a prophet? What do you think a prophet is? A prophet is a oracle of God, one who speaks for God, meaning what God tells them to say, they say exactly what God is telling them to say. Everybody got that? Yes. Okay. Let's cover some questions to get get a basic structure in mind. Don't be afraid to speak up if you know the answers. How many prophetic books are there in the Old Testament? 
I believe there's 12 or 7. Okay, let's see. Uh, you think you're smart. What about 17? <laughs> right? Oh, no, I wasn't looking at those. Oh, yeah. See, you, you could have added that one and that one. And then it would have been 17. So there's 17 prophetic books in the Old Testament. How are they divided into what two groups? So there's two groupings, right? And, and so I give you one here. Right? There's major and there's minor prophets. Okay. And I kind of gave that away earlier. Too, right? There's major prophets and minor prophets. How many major prophets are there? Five. Okay, there's five. Was there five? Yeah. Okay. Who are they? Um, I think one of them was David. Okay, he's not necessarily a prophet, but he had the gift to prophesy. Okay, Noah. so I'm going to name two names for you. What about Jeremiah? Isaiah? Okay, so those two are major prophets. And let's just show it, because Isaiah, Jeremiah, okay, Lamentations, Ezekiel and Daniel. Okay. Like the two in the middle, like the two in the middle, you probably guys. So so name them the, the five major prophets again. Isaiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah Lamentations. Oh, Lamentations. Ezekiel and, and Daniel. Daniel. Okay. And so lamentations, that's not a that's not the name of a prophet, just to let you know, but it is a uh prophetic book, okay. All right. And so minor prophet, there's like 17 of them, and who are they? Jonah, Joel, Hosea, Amos, Obadiah. Uh -oh. Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nehemiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Okay, say these with me. Hosea. 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 Joel. 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 Amos. Amos. Obadiah. 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 Jonah. 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 Micah. 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 Nehemiah. 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 Habakkuk. 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 Zephaniah, 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 
Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Haggai. Haggai. Zechariah. Zechariah. Malachi. 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 Okay. It says here, right? So what does it mean to be a prophet? They say to tell the future to speak for God, to speak for the Lord, okay? To tell the future. The main thing is they are oracles. They speak for God, okay? I mean, they have to tell the future. They, they do talk about what is to come or what may come, but their main focus is they're speaking for God, really, okay? Any, any questions about that? No. All right. So it's important to remember that the uh -huh. events we read about in the prophetics occur at the same time of the historical books. They they are they occur at the same time as First Kings, Second Kings, for example, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, and so uh, all the way through Ezra. Ezra. Okay, so today we're going to take a crack at three of the minor prophets. Say Obadiah, Obadiah, Joel, and Jonah. Joel, and Jonah. Okay, let's get dug in. Let's get dug in. Let's get dug in. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh, looks like I didn't copy this scripture over. I don't know what was going on. How did I miss that? Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Obadiah 1, 21. Let's see what it says. I don't know how I didn't like do that. I did do it. I remember copying this over. I don't know what happened. Why I didn't like paste in there. So Obadiah, though short, packs a punch. His prophecies concern the people of Edom. Israel and Edom had a long history dating back to Genesis. So the Edomites, they call them. Okay, yeah, I'm like, I knew I copied this over. I don't know what happened. So we're going to read this. Um, and everyone's going to read 7 
of these. Okay. So I'm going to read one through seven. Derek, you're going to read, is it seven? Seven, one through 14. So the vision of Obadiah, this is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. A envoy has sent was sent to the nations to say, rise, let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart was deceived, has deceived you. You who live in the cliffs of the rocks and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourselves, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves come to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you when they not, would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If great pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But now Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who ate your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. Okay, Derek, read eight down through 14, please. Okay. So Esau, his people are the Edomites or Edom. Okay, the Edomites, Esau, okay. In that day, declares the Lord, will not destroy the wise men of Edom, those of understanding in the mountains of Esau, of Esau, 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 your warriors, Temin, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter because of the violence against your or brother, brother Jacob. Jacob. You will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof 
while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots of Jer- lots for Jerusalem you were you were like one of them you should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boost, boast so much. In the day of their trouble, you should not march through the gates of my people. In that, excuse me, in the, in the day of their disaster, nor gloat over them in their calamity, in the day of their disaster, nor seize their weather, nor seize their wealth. You should not wait for at the crossroads okay, to cut down their, their. Hold on, hold on. Seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You you skipped the whole line, big boy. No, I didn't. I read that. Okay, keep reading. He did. He read it. Right down to fourteen. Okay. Well, he hasn't passed it, but he's on 14. Okay. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. All right. Yanni, you'll read 15 to 21. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head, just as you drank on my holy hill. So all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. But a Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy. And Jacob will possess his inheritance. Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. Azua. No, Esau. 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 Will be stumble. And they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. People from the... Negev will accompany the mountains of Esau and people from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will uh, occupy. occupy the fields of Ephraim. Ephraim. Ephraim and Samaria. Samaria. And Benjamin will possess Gilead. 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 This company of Israelite exiles. Exiles who are in Canaan. Canaan. Canaan will possess the land as far as Zari 
Zerath, Zerath, they the exiles from Jerusalem, who are in Sephardim, Sephardim, the towns of the Negev, deliverers will go up on Mount Zion. To govern the mountains of Esau and the kingdom of the will be the Lord. Okay, so it sounds like God don't like the Edom, the Edom, the people of Edom too much, huh? And and He says because He did Jacob wrong, right? Jacob and Esau were brothers. Okay, did something He wasn't supposed to do, or something like that. So Obadiah through so through short packs a punch, those short packs a punch. His prophecy concerns the people of Edom. Israel and Edom had a long history dating back to Genesis, to the book of Genesis. Look at Genesis 36. And one, and it says, remember Jesaw, Jacob and Esau, those dueling brothers. Well, the Edomites are the descendants of, of Esau, Jacob, who was later renamed Israel, obviously is the grandfather of that nation. The two nations never quite found peace. And there are many other passages that reference their conflict. For a deeper study, look at Exodus 15 and 15, Numbers 20, 14 through 21, 1 Samuel 22, 2 Kings 8, 22, 22, even Psalm 5 and 2. These are the people to whom Obadiah speaks on. In your own words, some of the message of Obadiah. Yanni. In your own words. <laughs> he was basically saying how Esau was coming back. And that there would be no survivors and stuff. Okay. What about you, Derek? Okay. Let's go back to the question that way. Yeah. In your There's own those... words, sum up the message oh. of Obadiah. Well, to me, the message seems... Uh... Like a um, I want to say it sounds something like warning. Okay, it's a warning. It's letting them know that the pe the uh, Edomites uh, God gonna take their land. He don't like them. They because they not right. So, what is the condition of Edom? And uh. What have they done wrong? 
Uh, pretty sure the condition of Edom is. Mm, I think it's. Mm, well. Uh, so, in your own words, what nope. you think? Huh? Pretty sure the condition of Edom is pretty bad. Okay. And I'm pretty sure uh, what they've done wrong is uh, defy God or it's a certain person. Okay, it all stems from Esau, right? Okay, yeah. Yanni, you finished, Derek? You finished? Yes. Okay. Yanni, what does Obadiah threaten? What does Obadiah threaten will happen to the Edomites? It's interesting. He said that... Um... There would be no survivors. Okay, no survivors. Okay. So it says inevitable punishment for their crime against God's people. Okay, you said it. All right. So in in themes uh these themes permeate throughout the prophets, especially the 12 minor prophets. God's judgment is not something that should be ignored. It is something, however, that can be avoided. Let's turn now to the book of the prophet Joel. Joel talks about judgment too. In prophetic style, he references or refers to it as the day of the Lord. His message is not for a foreign nation, however, but for Judah. Okay. Uh, all right. So, so uh, I'll read four. Derek, you read four, and then Yanni, you read four verses. The word of the Lord that okay. Joel, the son of, of, uh, I think I said that right. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened? in your days or in the days of your ancestors. Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. 
what the locust swarm has left, the great locust have eaten. What the great locust have left, the young locust have eaten. What the young locust have left, other locusts have eaten. Okay, eaten. Eat. Eat Wake up, you drunk, you drunkards, and weep. What? Well, wow. all you drinkers of wine, well, because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. Ignition has invaded my land. A mighty army without it has. Without it, has the teeth of a lion. Without number, has the teeth of a lion. Okay. It has laid waste by... It has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off, the, off their bark, leaving their branches. Hold on stripped off their bark and thrown it away. That's the second time you skipped the line, leaving their because branches you, white. Because you keep on turning it and scrolling down. Okay, verse 8. Um, and throw it away. Leave. Verse 8. Mourn like a virgin in sackcloth. Grieving for the betrothed of her youth. Okay, Yanni. Number nine to 12. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning. Those who minister before the Lord, the fields are ruined. The ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up. The olive oil fails. Despair, you farms. Will, you vine growers. Grieve from the wheat and the barley. Because the harvest barley. of the field. Harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and apple, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the people's joy is withered away. Okay. What are the plagues that Joel prophesied? upon Judah, Terry. In the beginning, what were they talking about? In the beginning? In the beginning, they were talking about the elders. Okay, they were talking about the elders. <laughs> and what they said was going to happen. What's the plague? What what the kind of plague was going locusts. here? Okay. In what sense 
is the sovereign the uh, severity of this plague so important? Why is it so important? Hmm. I believe this is around the time uh, where there would be uh, uh, what was it? Three three uh, warnings and yeah. I believe the locusts were one of them. Yeah. Oh, so Number one, locusts destroy quickly. Number two, they bring economic ruin and terror, right? Yes. I mean, quick, they eat the crops and instantaneously you can't sell the crops nor can you eat because they are destroyed like instantly. And everyone's afraid. So Yanni, later in this prophecy, Joel frequently uses the phrase, the day of the Lord. What images come to your mind when you hear this phrase, the day of the Lord? The day that the Lord saved everyone walks with Jesus. What'd you say? I think of the day that God's son or the Lord's son actually I think of Sundays like every single Sunday or every day because every day is the day of the Lord okay okay so in this case the context uh, referencing the day of the Lord um, right or the day that they'll know that there is a God right a observation toward the fact of God and who he is, okay? All right, good, you guys you guys did pretty good. Okay, so later in this prophecy, Joel frequently uses, oh, uh-oh, I already, we already talked about that, Derek. So the day of the Lord is used elsewhere in prophecy. A theological definition of this phrase is anytime, anytime, of historical judgment that foreshadows God's final judgment. In other words, anytime we read in the prophets of judgment upon a nation or a people, we should be reminded that the, ju the, the final judgment of God is still coming. This should cause some real spiritual searching questions in our lives once ones that will ask in a few minutes so this is a pretty crazy idea that a fish would swallow so okay now we're going to take a look at jonah and so we want to take a glimpse at one more prophetic book. Of course, you guys are familiar with Jonah, right? Jonah is probably the most popular minor prophet. What do you think or what do you know about the plot of his book? Right? Jonah was told to go to the ruins 
go, but he runs, gets thrown overboard, swallowed by a big fish, and then spit up onto dry land after three days, goes and preaches, and everybody gets saved in Nineveh. Okay? So, this is a pretty crazy idea that a fish should swallow a man. Not only that, but more pressing in this text is the prayer Jonah offers. He offers up a prayer. Okay. Okay, let's read it. I'll let um, Derek, you read one through five, and then Yanni, you read uh, six through ten. This is Jonah 2, verses 1 through 10. Okay, are you there, Derek? Yes. All right, let's go. Uh, You were reading one, correct? No, I wasn't. You're going to read one through five, and then Yanni's going to read six through ten from inside the fish jonah prayed to the lord his god he said in my distress i called to the lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead i called for help and you listened to my cry you hurled into you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents curled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Wrapped around my head. All right, Yanni. The roots, I mean, to the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath buried me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit when my life was ebbing away. I remember you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple, those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for, for them. But I with shots of grateful praise will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out dry land, onto dry land. What do you sense is Jonah's attitude as he prays? What do you think? 
you think you was like, like, repentful, rebellious, or what? I don't think you gave up on God. Say it again. I don't think Jonah gave up on God. Okay. So he was repentant, right? He was repentant. So Derek, what does he promise God toward the end of his prayer? I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. What? What does he promise God toward the end of his prayer? He'll do better. He'll do better. And also asks for forgiveness. Okay. Right. So why did the fish vomit Jonah onto dry land? Anybody can answer that, please. Because the Lord heard his cries and forgave okay. him. The told, and told the fish to vomit him up. Okay, so this is an excellent picture of repentance in the prophets. Later, in this same book, an entire city will repent in a similar way. So in Jonah's case, he was obedient and he went to the city of Nineveh and he preached the word of God and Everyone repented and got saved. Everyone. Okay. So, in fact, this is a point that we need to really settle in on as far as how to apply the prophets to our own lives. There is no greater example than this basic truth to avoid God's judgment repent right just go ahead and repent excuse me okay who wants to read this I'll read it I got it so this is Joel Joel 2 and 13 it says rent your heart and not your garments return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity okay Okay. What do you think this verse means? Don't run from God, run to God, and then repent if you're not obedient. Okay. I'll answer that next one too. So why would God as this of the people uh as this of the people in Jonah in Joel's day. Why would he ask them? 
Let's take a look at that. Rent your heart and not your garment. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abound in love, and relents from sending calamity. So I'll, I'll talk with you guys and share. So whenever a person sinned, they would tear their clothes and go down in sackcloth and ashes. But God is telling him, he says, he says, no, he says, I don't want the ceremony. I don't want the, the, the active action. I want your heart. I want you to repent in your heart and not, not do the sackcloth and ashes. Okay. So, so God wants us sincerely. He wants our heart. He wants us to be sincere and totally surrender to him. Okay. It's kind of like when you say, Hey, I did my homework and I didn't do it. Or I wasn't honest with my parents about something when I should have, but I was afraid. Right. So you, you rented your clothes, but your heart, you didn't give your heart to God and trust him. Okay. I know that's kind of like a weird disposition there for that, those examples, but it has an element of foreseen truth in it. So he says here, did I read this? Yeah. Okay. So why does God not want them to tear their garments? Right. And why is renting your heart more significant? What people do on the outside does not always match what should be, should take place in the inside. So God is concerned about your heart, not about your outwardness. Okay. You guys got it? Yes. He's more concerned about your heart. Okay, so I, I wear the cross. This is an outward expression. God's more concerned with my heart and my area of prayer, my area of trust for him. Okay? So how can God be slow to anger in the midst of all this wrath talk. So God is talking about, you know, uh, destroying. He's talking about locusts. He's putting Joan in the fish and all that stuff. So what do you guys think? I think he did that all for a reason. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So actually God wants all of you. Okay. He don't want he wants you obedient to him. He is a God of love. So what do you think it means that God is willing to relent from sending calamity? sending 
plagues, sending sickness and disease. Huh? But we're on the grace now, so we don't have to deal with it. With it at this under the, the dispensation of grace. Okay, so he may delay or completely avert his wrath when true repentance occurs. Okay, what do you guys think about that? Uh. Somewhat of uh, pretty amazing, but also a bit of um, how um, how uh, um, the Lord really, really loves you. And if you okay. betray him, it's like stabbing him. Okay. It really hurts him. So It really hurts him. Okay. All right, so what about Jonah 4 and 2? Uh, let's see, Derek, read that for us, please. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That I That is what I tried to forestall, to forestall. By fleeing the Tarshish, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Okay, so Tarshish is a place. So he flee to Tarshish, okay? So he ran okay. there. But let's go back to the question I asked a minute ago. How can God be slow to anger in what seems like a whole lot of wrath? This will only be highlighted as we read through the other prophets. Do you think God is ever unfair to his people, Yanni? Why no. and, uh, why not? No, because God does everything for a reason. If he okay, was unfair... God. Okay, then got why this. Did he, if he was unfair, then why did God really all of us of our sins and not just like one person? He relieved all of us, even okay. the non-believers. All of us. Okay. So what makes you think? Okay, so in what sense do these nations? We're reading about get what they deserve. What do you think? What makes you think that way? So you think that the destruction 
that God sent to them with locusts and um, etc. You think that they deserve that? Mm. Well, that's a tricky question. No. I'd say I'd say no. You'd say no? Yes. But why? Yes. The people were evil. They didn't like the people of God. I well. I went. I mean, I mean, either way, explain why you feel the way you feel. Well, he isn't um, unfair to his people. He knows what he he knows what he uh, does, and um, he knows that. Let's um, think about it this way. During this time, the only people that worship him were the Israelites. The other people weren't, and they had idols. They weren't even considered like God's people. All right, let's go to the next one. Does... The God of the Old Testament sound different from the God of the New Testament, right? Because we're we're under grace now, and everyone has access to God. Back then, they weren't under grace; they were under the law, and only the Hebrew people had true access to God. That might help you a little bit better. And so, the God of the Old Testament. And the God of the New Testament, they're different, but it's the same God. And when I say that, we're up under grace now. Back then, before Jesus, they weren't under the the new covenant. They they were under the old covenant. And so, still the same God, still the love of his people. I think, hopefully I answered that. Okay. So do you believe God's exercises judgment today in similar ways? What does that look like? Do you believe it? I think it's the same, but um, we're on the grace now. Well, you guys, okay, everybody's quiet. So how do these judgments foreshadow the final judgment? 
what must we do most likely uh, ask for forgiveness okay it's easy now you just ask for forgiveness back then only certain people could atone for sin yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go here. So, how do the judgments foreshadow the final judgment? Okay. So, what must we do to be free from the condemnation on that final day of judgment? So, here. Okay. So, Old Testament, the day of God's judgment was re emphasized. We're under grace now, and ultimately, as we declare Jesus Christ as Lord, we don't have to see that judgment. We don't have to endure it, and we just trust in God. But those that don't, they're going to be judged by God, okay? All right. So it's kind of a... I won't say a long drawn out process, but a lot of moving parts. So it's true. It's true that at times the judgment of God exercises exercises the judgment of God exercises exercises sound to more extreme in the Old Testament than in the New, which is true, they do. But it's not true that God operates under different rules. Looks like at a few passages, sorry about that, that demonstrates that idea. And so here are some other scriptures. I'm going to just like freeze that so you can catch up with that. Okay, Acts 2 and 20, 1 Corinthians 5 and 5, 2 Corinthians 1 and 14, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 2, and 2 Peter 3 and 10. Okay. Uh, who read that last one? Was it you, Yanni, or Derek? It was Derek, wasn't it? It was me, yes. It was Derek. Okay, uh, okay, so Second Peter 3 and 10, please. But the day of the Lord. I know. But oh. the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done it will be laid bare. Okay, so the next time it's going to be fire, not water, huh? Yes. So what images enter your mind as we read that verse? Yanni? I think it's talking about when God comes back for his people. 
Say it again. When God comes back for his people. Okay, okay. Okay, uh, Derek, does that sound any different than the Old Testament passage we read? How so and how not? Hmm. The heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done and it will be laid a bear. Mm -hmm. I mean, go ahead. You had mm -hmm. something? Not sure. Um... If you don't know the answer, you don't know. But if you if there's something on your heart, just share it. I don't know the answer. I'm not quite sure. Okay. Okay. So imagine the emotion of the ultimate day of the Lord. What do you think it would be like? How will people feel? How will they act? All right. So, if you're in Christ, you should not feel and be afraid because the day of judgment is for those people that are unbelievers and that do not confess Christ as Lord over their lives. How about that, guys? Kind of offensive. Okay, we're going to read this one. Second Peter 3, 11 through 14. I guess me. Okay. Uh, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people are to be? You are to live holy and, God in, and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth where mm -hmm. righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every, every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with, with him. 
So make every effort to make peace with who? With God, right? Yes. So he wants your heart. So search out your heart. All those areas that could be keeping you from the glory of God in your personal time with him. Okay. I want to focus our attention on Second Peter, say verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought to be, ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Dad, I think your screen's frozen. Did it? Okay. It came back. Mm-hmm. All right. So now, great memory verse. So we ought to remember that God is eagerly awaiting us to come to him so we don't have to endure the day of judgment or the Lord's day from the side of judgment, but that we are in fellowship with him. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a look at these questions here. We must have faith in Jesus Christ and realize that it is only because of his sinless life and sacrifice, sacrificial death for our sins can be forgiven, okay? So let's take a look at the questions here. So after accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, live in a way that pleases him. Be holy. Be righteous. Don't be wicked, unjust, or selfish, okay? Don't live with yourself in mind, but with Christ. Okay, and so what do you think it means to live a holy and righteous life in the world today? What do you think it means? I think it means to live in a more, uh, what's the word? Huh? A more Christ, Christful, I want to say life like uh praising god every day saying thank you for waking me up or keeping my family safe something like that just asking him for a little bit of some uh a little uh a jump start in life something like that like have favor and faith okay 
So what does it mean to live holy and righteous life in the world today? That means acknowledge to God that you have a weakness and ask him to deal with it, whether it be smoking, using drugs, pornography, uh, if, if it's a, a struggle with sexuality and identity, give it, give it to God, right? Or you're always thinking just of yourself only, or you, you can't get along with your brother or your sister, right? Those are things that deal with the life before God that is holy before God, because he's looking, he's looking at your heart. How can you love God whom you've never seen when your neighbor's right before you that you don't love them, right? It can't be so because God can't honor that, okay? He cannot honor that position. How can we avoid God's judgment and receive forgiveness? Repent. Okay, go ahead. That's my answer. Anyone else? You can have faith in him. Okay. Trust in God. Okay. How can you avoid God's judgment and receive forgiveness? What about knowing God? What about reading his words so you can understand who God is and and what and what his word says about his his people and what God expects, right? Anyone else? So how do we need to embrace Christ and Christ's likeness in a way that you haven't before? So is there anything else you can do to embrace Christ? I guess you could just spread the word. Spread the word. What about your living example of who you are? Huh? Yes. Oh, okay. So the prophets are the prophets are playing in their message. The day of the Lord judgment came to the nations who honored him that some judgment will come to us only what Christ did on the cross matters. No wealth, no social power, or outward religiousness. Right? Yeah. Doesn't amount to anything. The condition of our heart, like Joel says is what God sees where is your heart today let's pray that God will break us down in humility and rebuild us up in his righteousness okay Yanni your turn to pray 
Lord, thank you for all the blessings that you've blessed us with. And Lord, we appreciate everything that you've done for us and everything that you will do for us. And God, we just want to let you know how much we appreciate and love you. And Lord, we accept you as our God forever, today, forever, tomorrow, now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we want to take this time to tell everyone that we are thankful for you taking time out of your busy schedule to be a part of our um, Bible study and and learning for youth. And may the blessings of God go before you. Amen. God bless you. This is Yes and Amen with Derek, Pastor Derek, and Derek Fletcher and Yanni Fletcher with Yes and Amen Youth. God bless you.